Good morning, and welcome to Inspirational Worship at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church, where all are welcome. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person at 8.15, 9.30, or 11 a.m. at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. In fact, it's not too late for you to join us today. We are located at the corner of Northwest Highway and Inwood Road at 9200 Inwood Road, Dallas, Texas. So won't you come and join us today? You would honor us with your presence. But for now, let's enjoy this message together with Senior Pastor Dr. Stan Copeland. You know, today we're continuing the sermon series on our our history. Today we're going to be um, reading from John's uh, Revelation. This is um, from John's Revelation. You know, John's Revelation from some of the Reformation theologians didn't think highly of John's Revelation. Um, But John's revelation is not about simply stating the purpose of uh, of God, but more than that, to cast a prophetic vision that's based on the ministry of Jesus that John was witness to and a ministry that needed to continue, but a ministry more than that, that the early church and the church today is called to participate in. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I love this text today because... Um, In the beginning, it talks about there'll be 144,000, a pretty definite number. You know, you hope you're not 144,001, you know, when the the line to go in the kingdom is there. But then before that chapter's over, it says you can't even count how many people are here as part of this kingdom portrait. You can't even count them. And they're coming from all tribes and all nations and there's all languages being spoken. And, and they're standing before the Lamb and, and, um, and, and they're waving palm branches. Palm branches, a symbol of peace. And you know, our world is so divided right now. You know, in in preparing this sermon on the 60s, which was another very divided era, wasn't it? A time when segregation, the divisions, were were really being questioned in, in, in our culture here in the United States and challenged. Today we have a similar situation, but it seems that those divisions are not just divisions of religion. But we also have the division of of, of religions, don't we? We have divisions politically. And it seems like that there, there, there's this movement among us to go to our different corners, you know, the ones that look like we look like and act like we act and, and believe like we believe. But this portrait today tells us that the church has never been called to homogeny or only being with people who are like us. 
In fact, I dare say that the church's main agenda is to be just the opposite of that. There's enough divisions in the world that we find ourselves um, gravitating uh, toward or in, but, but the church calls us to be different. In the 1950s and 60s, the, there was a movement called the Church Growth Movement that heralded the only way churches could possibly grow was to be churches of like people. So they, the churches were, were started in neighborhoods of like people. And, and they observed that culturally people don't mix. They like to be with people who look like them, who act like them, who talk like them, who vote like they do, who have the same kind of cars and the same sort of houses. And so if you're going to be successful growing the church, you need to grow it homogeneously. And ironically, the Bible church is really bought into this, even though biblically this is on shaky ground. I dare say that homogeny has never been what the church has been called to, ever, ever, ever. Yes, the world finds itself in um, homogenous structures, but is the church called to be like the world, or are we called to transform the world? And obviously, and sadly, really, the cancerous racism and benign homogeny exists even in the church. In the kingdom of God, and the church ushering in the kingdom, is the vision, the dream of Jesus that's put forth by John. Now, it didn't say that all the white people were over here and all the black people were over here and, and, and all those who voted this way are over there and all those who voted that way are over there and they're all around the throne, but they're in their little groups. You know, until we're able to immerse ourselves in the lives of the world and the worlds of others and the worlds that others live in, we'll never be able to understand their joys, their fears, their loves, and their hatreds, their contentment, their yearnings, and we'll never know the heart of Jesus until we're committed to life together. Jesus did not separate the sacred from the rest of life. He saw the sacred right in the midst of life. He lived in a world that wanted to divide and wanted to separate and wanted to deem who is worthy and who is unworthy. And he preached against that sort of thinking. John got it and he gave us this image of the nations and the tribes coming together. Living together in, is something that the church should practice. We're called to practice that. And godly living together is what the church much, must teach the world as we practice it. And perhaps most importantly, we must teach our children within our homes. In 1960, Lover's Lane Church was thriving and its staff was increasing. The 10-year period from 1950 until 1960 brought 97% increase of Methodists in Dallas County. 97% increase in that decade. And Lover's Lane was the third in the world of Methodism in our percentage of profession of faith growth. It appeared that there was no end in sight for the rapid growth that was positive and upbeat and unified. 
The country, on the other hand, in the 50s and the 60s, was in the midst of strife along racial lines. In Dallas, whites-only signs and colored-only signs pointed people in different areas and away from social interaction. That was the norm. Does anyone here remember that here in Dallas? Okay. Or wherever in the South. Public schools were segregated. Learning environments were separate. And the church, on the other hand, was as segregated an institution as any in the country. And not being public made desegregation of congregations a matter of choice and principle. And most churches chose not to integrate. Now, during the second week of September in 1961, Carolyn Buckner's in the back, so I have to make sure I get all of this right, because she knows, thank goodness. The chaplain at Baylor Hospital called Tom Shipp, who was the pastor here for 31 years, and the chaplain explained that Tom had prayed for a woman And she had accepted Christ. Now, Tom probably remembered that, but praying for people in the hospital was something he did every day. And he said, but you have a problem. He said, well, what's the problem? And he said, well, she wants to join the church. He said, well, what's the problem? And he said, she's a Negro. Now, in the Methodist church, membership is ultimately the responsibility of the pastor. Did you know that? The pastor ultimately in our church, by the book of discipline order, can say who's in, who's out. But Tom Shipp, like most of us, would never think about saying someone was not worthy of of being in. And Tom thought, well, not once in my 20 years of being a pastor of Lover's Lane... Have I approached this congregation regarding the admittance of one into membership of the church and called for a vote? Not once. Nor have I denied a person admittance into the congregation. So the pastor of Lover's Lane led the congregation to receive Mrs. Bernice Jones on September the 10th at the 815 service. I think it may have been at 8 o'clock then. So you're lucky. into the membership. And from that point, a loud statement against segregation was pronounced years before laws were enacted to eradicate it. Tom was about a kingdom of God building vision akin to the one that John lays out in Revelation. That people from all walks of life, all races, all cultures were welcome. Bishop William C. Martin said the first black member of a white congregation in the Dallas area makes Lover's Lane probably the first integrated Methodist church in the state of Texas. Mrs. Olive Smith, the director of Christian Education, said there was not one bit of feeling of superiority or the sense that Tom was doing something magnanimous. 
just the normal procedure for receiving new members. And thank goodness there were people who came up and shook Miss Bernice Jones's hand and welcomed her. That was not a given because it was said that nearly 300 people walked out of church. Newspapers across the country were printing that Lover's Lane Methodist Church in Dallas had integrated its congregation by accepting one Negro woman into its membership. And the night before Miss Jones joined the church, D. Ship, Tom's wife, asked him, Are you tough enough to take it? It's going to get tough. I was talking to Dick Schaefer last night and getting ready for Barbara Wiggins' funeral that, or memorial service this afternoon. And Dick said Tom told him he got several death threats, death threats, over receiving Ms. Jones into the membership. Tom responded to D by saying this, I cannot serve a church that does not have its doors open to all people. 1961. I will resign if I'm not tough enough to take it. But I cannot serve a church that is just for certain people. That's not what the Christian faith is, and that's not what the church is built on. If someone comes and says that he or she wants to be a member of this church, a part of this church, and that he or she believe in God and want wants to worship here, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, anybody is welcome. Wow. And he kept believing and preaching that for the next 16 years here. Do you think that made a mark on this congregation? The great majority of Lover's Lane supported Tom in his decision. He received hundreds of letters and telegrams from people expressing their admiration for what he had done as the pastor and what the church was doing by opening their doors. He got letters from a missionary and, and a couple in, Bulgaria, in Bolivia actually sent him a, a letter as well. But here's one letter that one member of the church wrote to Tom. Dear Reverend Ship, I cried this morning. Just like I cried one Sunday back in March 1958 at the site, the first site of our new sanctuary. Then, because of the beauty of the structure, this morning I cried because of the joy in seeing the bricks and the wood become a living symbol to God's love of all people. You made the structure possible, but this morning you created a house of God and gave the beauty depth and meaning. I feel oh so small a part of your big congregation, but this morning I felt big because ours is the first church to make God's creed a reality in this city. Who wrote, did any of you write this? There's a few of you I'm looking at who could have. We pray God will give you wisdom to use your energy wisely so that you may have strength always to make big decisions. We pray, too, that God will give more men first enough backbone to find the best to believe in and then second, the guts to stand for Christ's principles. Whoa, this woman's getting down. 
I'm sure God chose you because he knew you would have plenty of both when the test came. Thank you for being a moving, acting, genuine, spiritual testimony. The writer expressing thanks to Tom is referring to Christ's principles for which she saw her pastor and her church standing up for. But not everyone agreed with those principles in this church. And a very small percentage, about 20 families it was cited, withdrew their membership completely. Now we don't know how many kind of slipped away. One family wrote this. It is with deep and heartfelt regret, indeed grief, that this family realizes it is forced to make the decision to terminate its membership in its church. This is not an easy thing to do after 15 years, and particularly the 15 years during which the church grew from a borrowed gymnasium into its present beautiful home. It is difficult to face the fact that in spite of the repeated statements that Lover's Lane was not your church, Tom, but our church, that you would see fit to make a decision of such magnitude with complete secrecy and without consulting a single layman to whom the church, according to repeated assurances, belongs. We must therefore submit our resignation as the Sunday school secretary, leader of the Women's Society of Christian Service Circle, and usher and cancel our pledge. A request will be made for a transfer of our membership as soon as we've decided on our new church home, which we are now seeking. Oh, don't you love it? You know, pastors really don't like to get letters like this. Do you, can you all imagine that? No pastor likes to lose members, especially when they're hurt and angry. Some slip away in the night, and others write letters meant to be a parting blow. It's a part of the most unpleasant Aspects of ministry. Someone gets upset over something, and instead of coming in and talking matters over or, in, or leaving quietly, the desire to hurt is too strong to pass up. I love it when those letters come in and say, I've been praying about this. I can just see Jesus saying, yeah, what you ought to do to that preacher is you ought to just slap a letter on him and make him feel really bad. <laughs> slap him upside the head two or three times. That's what I want you to do. Thank you for praying about it. You know, I noticed when our church started becoming more diverse in our membership, people who'd leave would say things, kind of polite things, which I really did appreciate. Like, you know, we're just looking for more of a neighborhood church. Lover's Lane hadn't been a neighborhood church in 50 years. Tom knew racism ran deep. 
And it had to be addressed by the church if it was going to be addressed. And he never regretted for one minute welcoming Miss Jones into the membership of the church. For Tom, accepting an African-American woman into the fellowship of the church was not a question of integration or desegregation. Mrs. Jones was simply a child of God. Tom was not one to support a cause. He was one to respond to need. Tom received letters who were front for him um, and those, some who were for him and some who were against him. But one letter was very unique and it actually came from Mrs. Jones. And it was addressed in a shaky hand. She said, Dear Mr. Ship and members of Lover's Lane Methodist Church of Dallas, I wish to thank you all who has been so nice about the Lord sending me there. I had hoped to make a good member and work in the church wherever I could. I would like for Dr. Ship to know that I am not a member of the NAACP and never has been. I came to your church to do as the Lord would see fit. I just found the Lord about eight weeks ago in Baylor Hospital. I told them if he let me get well and come home to my children, I would work for him. And all I know to do now is just pray and ask the Lord to make me stronger. Mr. Ship, you are a God-sent man. I wanted to work for and with you all so much, but look like Satan is so busy. I will move out just as soon as I can get enough, well enough to move on. Dr. Ship, I will pray for you as long as I live. Please try to save someone else and help them as you did me. And maybe if I was not sick, I could stand it better. Please pray for me. I will be calling you sometime. I love all of you. This is hard for me to write because I still want to be one of you. I pray you can smooth things over for your sake and mine. Thank you all, Miss B.C. Jones. And by accepting Miss Jones into the membership of this church, even though she couldn't stay, it planted a seed deep in the heart of this church that we have seen in the last decade grow into a beautiful garden of all of God's children. The radical acceptance that Lover's Lane expressed first was a congregation accepting those dealing with the deadly behavior of, of alcohol abuse. Receiving members of different races and cultures into the family of faith is the act of loving others whom God has created and their orientation is innate and God-breathed. The color of one's skin and the orientation of culture is a gift from God. It is, a matter, it is not a matter of choice. 
for the person. But it is a matter of choice whether a congregation will be welcoming to all and inclusive of anyone who comes our way. Lover's Lane's brightest and biggest contribution to the world is the way we work at living together and loving together. We are a people with different socioeconomic statuses, physical and mental challenges, theological persuasions, political persuasions, and sexual orientations. But when we come together, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We must continue to work on life together and working and serving side by side and being more fully integrated. We're not there yet. You know, I'm thankful that our church is more diverse than it ever has been. I dare say we're probably the most diverse congregation per capita in Dallas, for sure among Methodists. We appreciate the fact that our, our, our worship is, is driven by culture and we have nine different worship services. One size doesn't fit all anymore. But we must look for ways beyond worship and also in worship where we can become more integrated as a people. We need to look for ways that we can sit down and have supper with one another and talk about the church that we share in common. We've done that in the past. Time to rev it up again. We need to look for ways that we can engage in mission to others beyond these walls. For mission is a uniting force. So Lover's Lane, I'm proud of this church and this church's stance. It's not a cause. It's not like we have to be the leader of some inner church political group that says, look at us and how goody-goody we are. It's a mandate from Christ. It's a vision from John that if we don't get it right here, we may have a shocked look on our face in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in a church here that's like heaven practice based on the principles of Christ, the vision that John gave us. And the passion, I believe, of the people called Lover's Lane today. This pastor, perhaps unlike the pastor of our first generation, doesn't find myself, I don't find myself in a lonely position when it comes to preaching these kinds of principles. I find myself increasingly preaching to what we say, the choir. Because the people who are here, who've stayed, believe in what God is doing here by bringing 
tribes and nations and languages and people from all over, all walks of life, all backgrounds, all orientations to be the church. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for inspirational worship at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. We invite you to tune in each week at 930 on this great station. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person each Sunday morning at 815, 930, or 11 a.m. We also invite you to our contemporary worship service that begins at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. Again, we're located at the corner of Northwest Highway and Inwood Road, Dallas, Texas. Or you can call us at 214-691-4721. For more information about our church and service times, go to www.llumc.org. That web address again is www.llumc.org. We'll be looking for you in person at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church next week. And remember, all are welcome here at Lover's Lane.